Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Sarah Kleiner is a certified yoga instructor in several yoga disciplines and is a mindfulness and meditation expert. After working a successful career in a Fortune 500 company, she chose a different path. Now, she teaches yoga full-time, based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Yoga became a way for Sarah to connect her physical presence to her mind, body, and soul, which has helped herself and her followers, including her own family. After finding disappointing results on plant-based diets and seeking a better way, she discovered a low-carb, meat-heavy diet in 2019 and hasn't looked back. She shares her journey on her website, her Instagram account, and her YouTube page as the carnivore yogi and hosts a wonderful podcast by that same name. Sarah Kleiner, welcome to Boundless Body Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. I really appreciate the opportunity to come chat with you today. Oh, it's a total honor. We're so grateful for you and for taking time out to chat with us today. You have such an amazing story and an interesting story, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. And I'm just, I'm so curious when somebody hears carnivore yogi, that sounds like a complete oxymoron. Those are two things you have to choose very consciously to get into, and not one that I think a lot of people would assume would mix well. So how did that come to be? Yeah, it's a very uh, polarizing title that I've chosen for myself, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, by the Um, way. Thank you. And it was kind of like a joke. Honestly, I um, started the carnivore diet really because I couldn't really do yoga the way that I wanted to do yoga anymore. I mean, I had a lot of other issues going on. But that was kind of the icing on the cake, if you will. Probably not the best metaphor for meat-based conversation, but you know (laughs) what I mean. It was just like the last straw for me. And, um, you know, I was in a yoga class three weeks after I had started the carnivore diet. I was like, let me go back and try to practice. And my body was so much better. My joints were so much better. Everything was moving better. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to quit eating this way because I feel so good. Just after three weeks, so many things had gotten better for me. So I'm in this yoga class with all these people and I'm looking around and I'm like, I know all these people. I practice with all these people. So many of them are vegetarian and vegan what if I like became the carnivore yogi, you know? And it was just a thought I had while I was in the middle of this really big yoga class of like, what if I did, you know? And so I started it kind of like as a joke because I thought that was so funny when I said it to myself. I'm like, I'm just going to start it as a joke and kind of like a parody account and see what happens. And then I'm like, today, here I am with like 36,000 followers. Like how the hell did that just happen? That's <laughs> you know? Yeah. You're yeah. no joke now. That is absolutely true. It's so funny. It's so consistent with pretty much any of our guests who eat a carnivore diet. They do so for, you know, many reasons, I guess their joints hurt. Um, you know, IBS is a really common one. Skin issues is a really common one. Yeah. I had and that one. Skin issues. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had both of those, yep. <laughs> Interesting. And a lot of people that said, I, tr- I just tried this because I was absolutely hopeless. And it, it wasn't like three years later, they felt those things resolve. It's like a week or two weeks. Like yeah. it, it changes fast. Yep, it does. It's amazing. Wow, that's crazy. So let's go back. Let's hear your journey through life and some of the interesting things that you experienced. And also, if you don't mind, some of the traumas and how you decided to deal with them. Yeah, I mean... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question big there. Question. Yeah. You know, I got into yoga essentially because of my daughter um, being 
essentially regressing into nonverbal autism. Um, she was typically developing and talking and doing all the normal things and had a big giant regression and stopped talking and having eye contact. And at the time I was working in a corporate job, I was doing well, making six figures and happy with my career. And when that happened, my whole life changed. And I was like, I need to be with my kid. I can't work anymore. I need to be there to help her. And through this, um, and I'm still basically home with her, but I'm working. I have other careers now, but you know, at the, it was crazy for me going from like major career, go, go, go to home with my kid who was non-speaking autistic and screaming all the time and tantruming all the time. It was very hard. Um, and I never really respected people who stayed home with their kids. I never really understood it. I was like, Oh, I always want my career. But then, um, once I was in the situation, I was like, Oh my God, this is literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I, I started going to yoga as a way, because I heard that it could help (laughs) Mm. with stress. And I was the most stressed out I had ever been. Um, and yeah, I, so I started going to yoga and it helped so much. It was amazing. And it gave me so much peace and started just changing me as a person and helping me be able to be there for her, take her to all the different therapies and just deal with the grief and um, just all the hard stuff that came along with having a kid with autism. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I became a teacher after that. (laughs) Gotcha. So, so it was stress that initially brought you to yoga. It's always curious. I'm always curious to hear like what, what it was that brought somebody there. So oftentimes like I want to be more flexible or my friend told me it was amazing (laughs) or whatever for you, it was the stress relief. Yeah. I was just like anything to get my body to calm the hell down because Mm -hmm. I was just in a state of fight flight all the time. And I couldn't, I just could not chill out at all. Gotcha. What were the classes like? Like what style of yoga was it? Oh man. I went right into Bikram hot yoga, (laughs) which is insane. Cause I'm just, I'm a really extreme person. I mean, obviously (laughs) (laughs) who, if you're not doing the carnivore diet is an extreme thing. So I, I do know I'm an extreme person. I've kind of embraced it now that I'm a little bit older. I'm like, yeah, you're an extreme gal. Like this is just how you are. You have to kind of watch out for yourself, but yeah, I went into the Bikram and I did nothing but Bikram for a few years until it was time for me to go to training and I did not want to, I couldn't go to the Bikram teacher training because you had to go to LA for like nine weeks and be away from your family. And so I, yeah. And go and watch the Bikram Netflix documentary. Oh, we did. We did. Oh my God. So this, I was about to go to the training before all of that went down. This has been many years ago. Yeah. So he hadn't, you know, there, yeah. So anyone listening, just watch the documentary. I'm not going to get into it. It was a blessing that I could not go to that training because this was in 2009, 2010. Gotcha. Wow. Um, and so it was before the big scandal broke. So gotcha. I felt, I did a, a teacher training here in Atlanta where I live and uh, never looked back. It was amazing and started teaching right away after training and still teaching now, just finished teaching a class actually right before this podcast. Wow. Awesome. That's so cool. And I know you do zoom uh, classes as well, right? Yeah. I just do zoom right now. I haven't gone back to in-person teaching just yet, but I am considering a couple offers right now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So going back to the training, um, ironically today I've trained a few clients and two of them have gone through teacher training as well. And 
I asked both of them and got the same answer. So I'm going to ask you as part of that training, don't they ask you to go very highly plant-based or vegetarian vegan for kind of spiritual reasons as you're going through the teacher course? They didn't necessarily do that, which I really appreciated. Mm. Um, But, you know, it was kind of like a thing in the group. It's like everyone, and I was doing it too. I was, I was doing vegetarian and vegan for a couple of years. Um, And so I was bringing my, my sprouted mung beans and, you know, it was crazy because I would eat lunch at teacher training and I would just have the worst gas in the afternoon. And I would be just mortified because I'm in a closed room with people training. And I'm like, Oh my God, my stomach is going to freaking go (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's pretty, it's pretty common, I guess, that people experience that. Wow. So, so when did you start to realize that that way of eating wasn't necessarily working so well for you? Oh, believe it or not, it was one of my teachers from teacher training that I stayed in contact with. I'm still in contact with him today. He's been teaching for, I want to say like 30 years now. It's amazing Um, because you don't really meet people that have been teaching that long. But uh, I was still in contact with him and I was actually taking an advanced training at the time because I had already been teaching for a couple of years. And I guess that I just looked really bad in this training. It was a five-day intensive training, all about breathing, pranayam. And he took me aside and was like, Sarah, you do not look good. (laughs) He's like, you have zero muscle. Your hair is thinning. Like, are you okay? You do not look good. I'm just being honest with you. And he was like, I see what you're trying to do with the meat thing. Like, I know what you're trying to do. I've seen it before. It's not for you. This, you need some animal protein because you're not well. And I had shoulder injuries that would not heal no matter what I did. I had cranial sacral massage chiropractic and my shoulders would not heal. They were just constantly inflamed and in pain. And he's like, yeah, your injuries aren't going to heal. This is going to keep getting worse. You've got to eat animal protein. And he really broke down ahimsa, which is what we talk about in yoga, the non-violence and non-harming. And he said, that comes to you first. There is a way to eat sustainably. There is a way to get beef from a good source, which now I have some great connections. Thank goodness. But he's like, this, this is what you're doing is just really bad for you. Wow. You've been really brave and vulnerable to post some of those pictures. I've been going through your Instagram account and I've seen you at different stages in your life. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I feel say, like I've but been like 15 different people in my life. You kind of <laughs> have. Point. Like who's this, who's this 20 year old that kind of looks like really inflamed and a little overweight. Yeah. And then who's this 31 year old that is like a ghost. It's, it's so yeah. crazy. The transformation. Yeah. I mean, I, I was overweight for most of my life, to be honest with you. I was always overweight. I was always the fat kid. I was 220 pounds in high school. Um, and after I had my daughter, I was like 235 pounds. I've lost a hundred pounds three separate times in my life. That's incredible. And, uh, it's, it's crazy. I have, it's kept the hundred pounds off for the last like 13 years now, since after I had wow. my daughter, I've kept all the weight off, but, um, for the most part, but yeah, uh, before then it was like, lose a hundred pounds. Like, yeah. So I've always struggled with my weight. And then, you know, I kind of bounced the other way after I had my daughter, I got really skinny and then I was plant-based vegan. And I was also really depressed and going through all this grief. And I just was deathly. I was like so skinny. I couldn't even fit into like a size zero, which wow. was bizarre to me. That's yeah. crazy. Interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm always curious to hear about um, your experience inside the vegan vegetarian community, especially in the context of, of yoga. What was, what were they like? What is that like? 
you know, it's just so weird how they talk. It's like, oh, we just want to be clean and eat clean. And and we say that too. I think we the eating clean thing is just kind of like, oh, it gets old after a while. Because it's like, what the hell does that even mean? Right. Um, but there was a lot of like woo-woo um, <laughs> kind of stuff in the vegan world. A lot of cleanses. I did a lot of juice detoxes. It was like, your body doesn't need to detox 24 freaking hours a day. Your body doesn't, you can go on a detox. And now what I know about detox, it's like, it shouldn't take you longer than like at the most six months to do an actual like serious detox. But people doing vegan, they're like five, six, seven years in, they're like, oh, you're detoxing. I'm like, <laughs> at this point you have a health problem and you're not actually detoxing. So there's uh, just a lot of like weird, you know, it was, it was weird. <laughs> huh, interesting. Well, we were going to bring on a celery juice detox sponsor, but you just ruined that for us. So thanks a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, so did you ever feel like there was a spiritual connection to your food? Like when you were eating some of those plant foods, did you ever feel like there was that kind of life energy connection to the things you were eating? I mostly just felt really tired, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just, I did feel really tired a lot and like, I could almost never really get full. Um, I just had to eat all the time and I was still really skinny. Like that was the cool thing for me. Cause I was always a volume eater. I loved to just eat a lot of food, obviously. And being vegan, I could just eat a lot of food and I would never gain any weight. Mm. Um, but I was always cold. I was always tired and I never was full. So there was definitely no, uh, spiritual connection with my food. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the cold thing. That's something I have to point out to people a lot. And it's pretty ubiquitous out there that people tend to feel really cold in their hands and feet, especially their extremities, like when they are taking in too few calories and they're crashing their metabolism. Exactly. Mm. I had no idea. Yeah. And wow. I was, I was like, I thought I'm just always cold and my husband and my daughter are just weird. And, <laughs> and now I'm always warm and I always like, ah, turn up the air, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. We can totally relate. So yeah. when, when was it that, um, you were convinced that you needed more animal proteins, uh, in your diet? When, when did that kind of come about? I believe it was 2014 okay. that that came about. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's been many years ago now, gotcha. but well, was yeah. there any kind of spiritual, um, dissonance, like a cognitive dissonance of like, I, I do want to respect life and, you know, live this kind of yogi culture, but bring in more animal products, knowing that animals are, I mean, animals are going to die regardless, but animals are going to die if I eat meat. Was that difficult for you? Um, not necessarily. It was more, I don't know. It, it was, it was weird. I was afraid to eat meat. I was afraid it was going to make me fat. I was afraid it was going to, um, make me sick because I heard so many vegans talking about going back to meat and getting really sick. And I just, I was kind of just terrified of just the meat thing. And then I felt like an imposter, you know, for a little while there, just like, oh, I'm this teacher and I'm supposed to be, you know, vegan or vegetarian and I'm just an imposter, but, it, and I felt bad. I just couldn't make it work for myself. No matter, I had a purse full of supplements, like there was nothing I could do that would make it work, mm. you know? Did you lose any friends or social connections when you left that, that community? No, not really. Cause I, I wasn't like so engrossed in it that like all my friends were vegan vegetarian, you know? Um, I was more like a fringe person, so I didn't really lose any friends over mm. it. I just, it was more of like an internal, like I felt bad about it kind of thing. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So that's 2014. So kind of more of a mixed diet at that point. Yeah, I went more of a mixed diet and um, we got influenced by Dr. Walls. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Yeah, of Terry course. Walls. Yeah. Love her. Mm. I would. I want to get her on my podcast. I'm going to try. We'll see. Rad. I might not be big enough for her, but um, 
<laughs> She's amazing. And her TED talk from, I think it was like 2012, really changed the way that I thought about food and how food could actually really be medicine. And so I started doing, uh, trying to do a little bit more of a paleo approach in 2014. That's really um, where I started swinging over towards. And uh, I, pr- I pretty much kept that up. You know, I would try different things and different diets and things, but I pretty much stayed more in the paleo realm with like occasional junk food binges and like going off the rails every now and then. But I, that's pretty much where I stayed um, after 2014. Gotcha. And um, you noticed some of those physical elements, did some of those resolve um, immediately when you went paleo or did that take a little bit more time? It took a lot more time. And then also because I wasn't always compliant, you know, yeah. and I would eat chocolate and, you know, ice cream and things like that, that I shouldn't necessarily be eating, you know, every, every now and then every couple of weeks or so. So I don't know that I gave it like a really good solid chance, um, until the end, until I got closer to carnivore than I did. But, gotcha. uh, back then when I was just starting it, I didn't really give it like a solid chance. Mm. And I'm assuming, I mean, it's really difficult to be in a family and be making your own food and then be making different food for everybody else. And so what did, did your family eat the same way that you did and what did they notice? Yeah, they ate the same way that I did. I mean, my daughter is from the moment she got her autism diagnosis, she was gluten-free, dairy-free. You know, we tried to cook everything. Like I've been cooking. People always bitch about all the cooking they have to do. I'm like, I've just been cooking for years. I'm used to it. You know, even when I was vegan, I was still making her grass-fed beef burgers every day. And I would, I didn't know any better. I'd fill them with spinach. I'd do like a steamed spinach grass-fed beef burger and she would eat those um, she kind of did a little bit more of a carnivore approach, honestly, uh, nat- uh, because she just really liked the beef. She, so naturally she was selecting those things. Yeah, she was. And you know, the crazy thing, this is kind of a side tangent. I have the most messed up teeth. Like I've had braces and they're still screwed up and I didn't really eat a lot of meat growing up. I didn't really eat a very good diet growing up. I was a kid of the nineties of like lots of cereal. We'd have cereal three meals a day, you know, like Skin I just milk. didn't have the nutrients. Yeah, cereal and milk. And I had horrible eczema until I left the house and quit drinking the milk. But like my daughter has straight, beautiful teeth and a nice, beautiful jaw. Like I don't think she even needs braces. And I was, my husband and I both had to have braces. And the only thing I can think of is like, I have been so psycho about her diet since day one of her diagnosis of just trying to give her the most high quality grass fed meats and, um, you know, healthy, you know, vegetables and things like that. And just, try to keep her on that path. And I think it actually has really helped her as she's grown up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked to a lot of dental health experts and we absolutely 100% believe that that was the case. We both believe that like, uh, same as you, like we grew up eating the same foods and red vines and, you know, granola bars and all that bullshit, like falling asleep in class and like always feeling terrible. And and yeah, I mean, we've got crooked teeth and they could have been a lot better. We truly believe in that. That's crazy. Um, with, With your daughter specifically, what other things did you notice with her behavior? Uh, you know, when she is more what I noticed when she would get the foods that were processed and were not good than what I noticed without those. Um, that's kind of how she is. She's, she's pretty, uh, she's pretty severely autistic. She's brilliant. Um, but she definitely has, is very severely affected by autism. And so when she's eating her normal diet, she's herself, but when she's not, she can get her behaviors can get really out of control. Wow. Um, and it's usually like, okay, what did she get a hold of? You know, usually I look straight to the food first. Mm. 
Interesting. So when did you first and how did you first hear about carnivore? Through a functional medicine doctor friend of mine, her name's Dr. Rimka. I don't know if you follow her or not over on no, Instagram, I don't, I will. but yeah, you should. She'd be a fun guest to have on too. She's she's a trip. She is a real trip. And she's been carnivore for three years now. Um, actually, maybe a little bit longer. But she and I were talking on Facebook back and forth. And I was just telling her, like, I've been doing autoimmune paleo. It's not working. I feel like crap. I I don't know what to do. And she's just like, oh, I've been carnivore for the last five months and I'm not dead. You know, she said it kind of jokingly, but then she started talking more about carnivore and um, she does a lot of live streams. So she would do live streams on Facebook and I was watching her live streams where she was talking about carnivore. And I was like, well, what the hell do I have to lose at this point? You know? (laughs) And it was from her. And then of course, you know, you dive down the rabbit hole of listening to all the Joe Rogan podcasts with, of course, you know, Michaela Peterson and Jordan Peterson and uh, Sean Baker. And then you kind of just get, go and dive into the rabbit hole of carnivore, you know? Wow. I had to tell Sean Baker on our show, (laughs) I'm, I'm one of his health coaches on the meet RX page. I had to tell him um, on our show that I still to this day have not finished that episode of Joe Rogan because I turned it off in the middle because I thought it was absolutely insane. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> to this day, crazy. Um, okay, so you heard about carnivore. At this point, you were done practicing yoga because of all the pain. Is that right? Yeah, I was still teaching, but I had kind of had to quit practicing. Now, I did Ashtanga yoga at the time. And that's a pretty intense type of yoga. You get up, you go at five in the morning to what's called Mysore, and your teacher gives you your practice. And uh, it's pretty intense. I mean, you're doing drop backs. So you're standing up and dropping back into a back bend and then standing back up. You're doing all kinds of crazy arm balances and it's very athletic. And my body just couldn't take it anymore. Gotcha. It was like, gotcha. we cannot do this. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing to lose. You've, you've learned from a few different people. Um, I believe you started carnivore in 2019. Yes. January, 2019 is when I started January, 2019. And you haven't been shy about sharing it either. You were pretty public about it and started putting this out in your social media. Is that right? Yep, I did. I mean, I made it the separate account. I still have my old yoga account, um, that I almost never really go on. Uh, but I have, I started this carnivore yogi account and then it was so weird. People just started following me and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what were what was your transition like? How did you get started? What things did you notice as you went? Um, I just kind of dove right in. I mean, I just would buy, I did a lot of ground beef really in the very beginning, just tons of ground beef because it was really easy for me to digest. Like if I would eat like a steak, I would tend to get really tired. Um, I just wasn't digesting it very well. So ground beef was super easy for me. I also did eggs and I did bacon. I did no dairy for like the first 90 days because I've always had an issue with dairy. And so I'm like, why would I all of a sudden not have an issue with dairy just because I do, you know, I see so many people do that. It's like, oh, I'm carnivore so I can eat dairy now because it's allowed. And it's like, dude, you've always had a problem with dairy. Like yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> lay off of it for a little bit, you know? So I can do raw dairy now without a problem. Um, but I didn't know about raw dairy back then. I didn't even know it existed. Mm. That's how I was just had no idea. Um, so yeah, that's how I started. And I just right within like the first couple of weeks, I dropped like seven pounds of inflammation really quickly. Wow. Um, 
and started sleeping better, like so much better, started feeling better. And then it was like that third week, I was like, I think I'm going to try to go back to class and see how I do. And it was, my body was like, yes, thank you. This is so good. And that was back to that Ashtanga yoga you described? Yep, I did. I went back to Ashtanga. Now I don't do it anymore because... I just, it was, it was just too much period. I could still do it if I want. It's like, it's not that my body is broken down and I can't do it now. It's just that it's a very intense practice. And I feel like my life is intense enough and I need my yoga practice to be a little bit more chill these days. Mm. Well, speaking of a little bit more chill, there's, there's this tendency we have to complexify everything. Everybody, everything needs to be more complicated, more complex. But the way you approached carnivore seems really simple and kind of intuitive. I, it, it sounds like you just kind of stuck to meat. Were there were there different things besides the dairy that you either had to do or, or really avoided? Or did you just kind of eat meat and, and keep it that simple? I just kept it really simple. And I feel like that's the best thing for people to do when they're first starting. And I didn't worry about the fat and protein ratios. I didn't do any of that. I didn't really fast at all. Um, I didn't do any of that. I it just, I just kept it super simple. Hmm. Another thing that you've done is a ton of experimentation and a ton of sharing your results. And you've changed your mind about a lot of things over time, which I really respect. Why was it important for you to, um, you know, be a self experimenter and then share your results with people, even if it meant something that you said earlier was maybe not as right as you thought? Yeah. I mean, I just have wanted to be transparent with people the whole time because I started my page and I just started posting my meals every day. And then I would post pictures and just kind of talk and like journal. It was like my own little personal journal. That was my Instagram page. That's how I thought of it. It was like, this is my carnivore journal. And that kind of just grew and grew. And it's like, why would I stop um, journaling? Why would I stop telling people what's going on if something has changed and I no longer can do what I was doing, you know, like, yeah. So that's, that's kind of where it's not been easy to change my mind and to say, I can't do that, or this didn't work for me, but, um, it's definitely part of the journey. Mm. It's just something I really respect that you have that openness. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask like of, of the people you've worked with, talked with, maybe coached. Um, do you have a few success stories you'd like to share with us? Just anything that really comes to mind? I mean, I've been inspired by so many people, so many people. It's so hard to, to even just say one person, but you know, one of my favorite people, um, that I haven't talked to actually in a little while, but she just has been coming to mind today is uh, her name's Emily Pinton. I don't know if you know her or not. She's known as carnivore minds. And she was on my YouTube about a year, over a year ago. And she had a debilitating uh, bipolar and MS and just started getting MS also at a very young age and was also like 260 pounds. And uh, she was so severely bipolar, she couldn't work anymore. It was just struggling with her mental health. And uh, her brother bought her a book that I guess Amber O'Hearn had written. And she was like, that's it, I'm doing this. And um, she is now off of all of her medication for bipolar, no more, no more medication. And she's walking around, no MS symptoms, um, doing amazing, eating meat and fat. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Her story is probably one of the most, she was on Michaela Peterson's podcast not too long ago, but her story was super touching to me. And it always sticks out of my mind as, as somebody, um, who's just really inspiring. 
That's amazing. I'll have to look that up. That sounds so cool. Ambro Hearn yeah. is just such a boss. We were so lucky to have her on our show a few weeks ago. And she's she's just so cool. <laughs> Endlessly cool. Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> um, as a female, we try to ask all of our female guests this question. Um, sometimes we miss, but um, where do you see the role of like carbohydrate cycling? Is it true that women run on a 28-day cycle and there just is times inside a month where they need to have more carbohydrates or is it better just to be more strict all of the time? You know, this is a, a tough question. Um, I don't think that there's a one size fits all for this. Honestly, for me, what I have found is on a 28 day cycle that I really do have to be a little bit more strategic. I cannot do any fasting, um, you know, during ovulation or during the week leading up to my cycle. I just literally cannot do even intermittent fasting. I just don't do it. I always make sure to eat a breakfast. Um, but, and if I go super high fat during those times, I don't really have the PMS symptoms. I don't have the hormonal imbalance. I don't have those issues. Um, so that's been my experience, but I do think that some people, they don't necessarily want to go super high fat, <laughs> like the way that I did that maybe, you know, that could be something that helps, but it's not something that I have done personally. Um, so it's a, it's a tough question. And then I always have the question about the, the T3, you know, I'm still kind of investigating that one myself as well. The mm. low T3 issue that people are having. Well, damn it, Sarah, all of you have the same answer. It's not a one size fits all thing. Tell us what to <laughs> eat. Damn it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's so cool to keep that in mind and know what you did, which is that self-experimentation and then, and then don't attach yourself to any one belief system because even something that's serving you now may or may not serve you later on that things change all the time. And so I think it's really important to pay attention to, you know, like what you're saying, you know, experiment, you know, maybe do some blood work if, if that's something you feel like you need, but be willing to leave your ideas in the past if they don't serve you anymore and be willing to be open to new possibilities. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Interesting. Um, you mentioned fasting and I know you've had an interesting journey with fasting. Can you tell us, um, you know, what you were doing before and how that's changed over time? I was just fasting all the time and never giving myself a break and not really any variation. Um, and extended fasting, no matter what time of the month it was and just do just pushing through, just pushing through, just very like, I'm going to do this, knows the grind. I mean, I'm, I'm an extreme person. Like I said earlier, like I can push myself to do all kinds of crazy stuff and I'll do it. Even if it's like, I'm sick and I'm like in really bad shape, I'll keep doing it. Cause I've made up my mind that that's what I'm doing. And that's basically what I did with fasting. Um, so now it's like, I have, I went for a whole year. I kind of swung the other way. So I went a full year with zero fasting, like breakfast every day. Like I just, you know, and I gained weight during that time too. Cause I had also been eating like in a pretty severe deficit. Um, not severe, but I'd been in a deficit and doing too much fasting. And so my body definitely swung back, um, the other way when I quit fasting. And, um, now I allow myself to do intermittent fasting during like days one through 10 of my cycle, take a break in ovulation, sometimes a little bit after ovulation, never during the week leading up to my cycle. Mm. And I've done one extended fast. I did a 30, it was like a 40 hour fast. I did one back in February. Um, just because I had I actually had a procedure I had to get done and I was going to be under anesthesia and it was like four in the afternoon for the procedure. And I ended up like fasting that whole day. I got home from the procedure and I just couldn't eat anything. I was like, I don't want to eat. 
And so I ended up going to a 40 hour fast um, and my hormones were fine. Everything was totally fine. Uh, so I, yeah, if the fasting thing, I've swung like both directions and now I'm kind of more in a middle ground where I do think you need to pay attention to your cycle when you're doing fasting and that variation is key. You don't want to do fasting every single day. Gotcha. What would be some good signs, um, and symptoms maybe of somebody who is fasting too much? What, what things can they be looking for to say like, okay, I probably need to add a few more meals uh, per week. Definitely the first thing I see people struggle with is sleep, that they start waking up a lot at night and they have very disturbed sleep. Um, That's the first thing that usually that I'm like, how's your sleep? Because I have people that are like, oh, I fast and I'm great. I'm like, how's your sleep? You sleeping Mm. through the night? You waking up a lot? (laughs) You know, like I'll ask them that and they're kind of quiet. Like, okay. Mm. Um, That's the first thing. And then, you know, for, for, men, you know, I think it's the lowered testosterone, probably the depressed mood, kind of the symptoms that go along with that. For women, it's going to be, if if you're like reproductive age, your progesterone is going to tank. And for women, you know, you, if you start mid-cycle spotting, or if your cycle suddenly goes from 28 days to like 21 days, your progesterone is super low. And, um, you're, you're not ovulating, you know, you might be having a cycle, but you're not ovulating. And so ovulation is something that's very important for our health. Um, as we age, you know, we, we lose that ability. Our ovaries do shut down, but while you're of reproductive age, if you're not ovulating, you're shutting down your health. Um, and that's a really oversimplification, but those are some signs I think that women definitely need to be on the lookout for. Gotcha. Oh, that's great. Um, really great advice. You post amazing pictures um, <laughs> on your Instagram. I'm always really happy when I see what you're eating. What are some of your favorite foods that you like to talk about and love to eat? Right now, I'm obsessed with um, meatballs. <laughs> they look so um, good. <laughs> I'm going to make some tonight. I'm going to try it in the oven. Okay, I did I'll, the air fryer I'll and I'm going to try the oven tonight. Great. Yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm obsessed with making my meatballs. They're super simple. And my secret ingredient is shaved butter. Wow. Oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> and and, and yeah. you mentioned super simple. I mean, meatball, I, that sounds like a super simple thing to make. Is it literally just ground beef and a few spices and, and just cooking in butter and that's it? Yeah, it's ground beef, uh, pork panko, um, gar- the Redmond's real salt, the garlic salt, and ah, so the good. shaved shaved butter. Wow. And um, I like to mix meats too. So sometimes I'll do like a goat mixed with um, just grass-fed beef or I've done lamb. Sometimes I, like tonight I've got a bacon and beef mix from White Oak Pastures I'm going to try. Sounds amazing. So good. It's going to be, be good. Be <laughs> um, so, so as you're posting all these pictures, obviously people start reaching out to you for advice. When did you start to consider doing coaching as, as something you wanted to offer for people? Um, I started it probably a little over a year ago, just ca- like people were just reaching out to me so much. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I kind of took a step back from it for a lot of last year. And I started doing group coaching, um, in November of last year. And so I've done like four or five months of group coaching. I'm going to do another one in June and then I'll take clients in, you know, on a case by case basis. If someone reaches out to me and wants one on one on one coaching, we talk about it and just make sure we align. And I do a little bit of that too. Mm. 
in the in the before times before March of 2020, we would we would work with people one on one, but also work with people in like weight loss contests, and, and they were in a group. And I found it was really interesting. Like I could I could really customize what I said in a one on one session, but that's still just one person, you know me, this dope talking at somebody and telling them what to eat versus when you're in a room, you may not have as much control over what is said or what you're giving to a specific person, but you get this sense of like validation. Like it, I, I think people really appreciate sometimes those group settings where, oh, it's not just this, this idiot talking at me. There's other people and they they have questions. I didn't even think to ask. And there, yeah. some of them are doing it successfully and they're paving the way. And they're, they seem more like it's, it, again, it's not the dope in front of you. It's the people that are around you in that community. Is that something that you've noticed? I think group coaching is awesome because yeah, like you said, one person will ask a question, it opens up a dialogue and then they can all really learn from one another, which I think is awesome. Um, so yeah, I love the group coaching and I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to do another one in June. I have a membership group right now because I had, I just got, got really tired from the group coaching. Cause I, I do so much when I do a group event, like I do a video every single day. I'm in there every day. There's open posting. People are asking questions. I'm working with people. So I got kind of burned out after the last one in March. And so I just started a membership group. So I've got a, a good little group of members in there and I go live in there once a week and just let them ask questions. It's like the group coaching without me doing like video lessons every single day, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's been a nice, a nice little thing. Cause a lot of people were like, we want to do another month. And I'm like, I'm tired. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I need a break. Uh, so now I have the membership group for people who do a group coach and they, they want to just still hang out and they still want to do live streams and still get support. So I have a membership group too. That's amazing. That sounds like a wonderful resource. And I'm sure it's something that is, is fairly affordable for people, a low, low entry point that they can get in and learn from you. Oh yeah. Very low, very low. That's awesome. So cool. So you also have a podcast, which I love. And I want to talk about when did you start thinking about podcasting? Honestly, I really loved doing interviews. I've been doing interviews since I, almost since I started my YouTube channel, which was in 2019. So I've been doing interviews for a while and I had, I started having so many people say, can you put this on a podcast? Cause I just don't want to be on YouTube. I just want to listen on my podcast app. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just never really got around to it. And then, uh, at the end of last year, I was like, okay, I'm going to actually just do this and actually start the podcast and, um, you know, get this going. And so I didn't actually start my podcast until just 2021 in January. Hmm. I'm, I'm curious to know, I, I know what I had to overcome to, you know, get past all the resistance I was feeling to starting the podcast, but did you encounter any kind of resistance and what did that look like for you? I did. And it was just mostly like that. I didn't want to do extra work because <laughs> it is something that you have to, I mean, I just, my plate was full and I was like, all right, what can I shift around? What can I move around in order to make this happen? Because I really wanted to. And the cool thing about podcasts, um, the thing I don't like about YouTube is the comments. I mean, sometimes like 95% of the comments are just amazing and wonderful and cool. But I kind of wanted to just do a podcast, do an episode, do an interview without having to deal with like, oh, sorry, my dog is freaking out. Without <laughs> having to deal with like a hundred questions. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, 
It's it's funny you say that about the comments too, because yeah, if you, every now and again I'll get onto like Twitter or something, which is just so horribly mean, and I'll, I'll just scroll and like want to get in fights with people. And like, you're right, some of the comments on YouTube videos can be pretty brutal. Yeah, they're pretty awful. And I actually have someone now that helps me manage my comments. And I'm like, I'm only going to come on and check my comments like once a day. And she knows what time it is. And I'm like, if if somebody is like disrespectful or mean then just block them off my channel and delete the comments so I don't have to see it. And I'm usually good about staying off. And she gets my comments usually before I do. So I don't have to see those so much anymore. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I pay her to do it because I'm just like, I want to keep my YouTube channel going, but I literally cannot handle... Uh, I can't, I can't handle the comments, you know, they're too much. They're too hard. It's vicious. And it's coming from mostly, it seems like it's coming from people who, you know, supposedly love the planet and love animals, but will send you death threats. Like what the hell? Like it's so bizarre. Exactly. I'm like, what, if you are so loving and kind and, and all of that, then why are you threatening? You know, why, what's, what's up with that? You're, you're taking time to do it you're going out of your way to do it like go on a walk like shut your mouth and go enjoy nature if you love nature so much yeah uh, exactly <laughs> so crazy what things have you learned through podcasting you know i've learned a lot actually i've been able to interview some really cool people it's like if you tell people you have a youtube channel they're kind of like okay and they won't necessarily respond but i think if you're like oh i have a podcast for some reason the bigger guests like respect that a little bit more it's weird so i've gotten some guests on that i just was like i'm just going to ask i don't know if they'll even acknowledge me and they're like yeah sure and so i've gotten to talk to some cool people like dr mindy pels um I just had Dr. Will Cole on, which was really cool. Um, and people that I don't agree with, like we, you and I talked about this a bit uh, off off the record, is like I bring people on that I have differing opinions from, or we do we do have some commonality. Like I'm not going to bring like a <laughs> somebody who I have no commonality with onto the show. There, and I see no value in what they have to say. I always think they have value, um, but I have brought people on that I disagree with, and I'm like. Oh, I got to kind of be uncomfortable right now while you're, you know, while you're explaining this. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is really a challenge. That is very, very difficult. You feel like, you know, if I'm bringing this person on and they say something that I might not necessarily agree with, well, my name's attached to that and people are not going to listen to me anymore because this person is saying something different. And so that is, that is really challenging. And I have to say, I really respect that about your show. It's something I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't have to be angry that somebody wants something different than you do, or that like thinks something that you, you know, it's different than you. It's we, but we're so conditioned, like this cancel culture thing now is so big. It's like, I disagree with this one thing that you say, so I'm not going to listen to anything else you have to say. There's no value in um, your message at all because I disagree with this, you know, and we do have obviously like our limits to things. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is not valuable for me at this point, but we just keeping an open mind is so important. Yeah. I love that. I really value that about your show. And I'm really glad you decided to approach it that way. What things are you looking forward to with podcasting in the future? Any new guests or um, different formats or anything, or just kind of, kind of keep it going the way it is? Just keep it going. You know, I want to just keep on interviewing more people. I've thought about bringing on just more regular people and talking to them about their stories as well, because that's one thing I did a lot with my YouTube is just regular people sharing their stories. So I want to start mixing that in. I've done like 
everyone I've had on has been some sort of a doctor or coach or an expert um, thus far in my podcast. And I think I want to start bringing a few more stories back into the mix as well. Mm, that's great. I, have you have you learned through all of this that everybody has a story and it's really beautiful to hear, but everybody has one. Oh yeah. That's the biggest thing I've learned, I think, from just the whole world of Instagram and YouTube and podcasting and all this social media stuff that I do is like, people are going to surprise you with the stories that they have. Um, and you can never just think like you'd look at somebody and take them at face value. There's always a story there. No, no matter who you are, there's always a story there. That's so cool. I love that. So tell us about your yoga practice today. What things um, are you doing personally with yoga and what things do you offer for the listener? So for yoga, I'm just teaching virtually right now, a couple times a week. And, um, that's kind of where I'm staying with that. Like I mentioned, I might go back to picking up an in-person class, but a lot of my energy has been more focused on coaching and, uh, just do it, you know, doing all of these different platforms and things that I'm doing, making videos, recording podcasts and editing. I'm a one person show besides the one person editing my uh, comments on YouTube or deleting the really awful ones. I'm doing everything and it's a lot, it's a lot of work. So, um, right now the two yoga classes I have are just super easy, gentle, and I do, I don't really make a lot of money from them. I only charge like $5 a class, which is, yeah, it's really cheap. And I do that to kind of hold myself accountable to is like, I need to practice because I practice with them and I'm like, I need to actually, you know, continue to, to keep up my practice too and keep up my teaching skills. Mm. Um, yeah, but I also meditate too, which is a totally separate practice. And I do that every single day, 20 minutes, twice a day. Perfect segue. That's exactly what I was going to ask about next is the mindfulness and meditation piece to all of this. Tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about practice. So you're meditating 40 minutes a day. What, what things could the listener like be thinking about meditation and mindfulness, how those things are the same, but kind of different and how they can uh, apply that in their life? Yeah. Mindfulness is kind of this like blanket term. A lot of people throw out now is like, Oh, you got to be more mindful. And it's just this, I don't know. It's a kind of a blanket term. And the type of meditation I do is called uh, Vedic meditation. And I learned from a teacher. Uh, I got a technique one-on-one from a teacher. I did a four-day course and um, it was life-changing for me because I was a, a yoga teacher who couldn't meditate. I felt like, and I would try the mindfulness meditations. I would try to do those. And I felt like I was like stapling my face to a wall you know, and I could listen to guided meditations and they would help a little bit, but then I would just kind of be like, oh, I don't want to put on my earbuds and do this whole deal. So I felt like kind of this imposter of this person teaching yoga for all these years, but not actually having a meditation practice. So it was almost four years ago, I believe that I stumbled upon a book um, called Bliss More by a guy named Light Watkins, who I know now in person, which is pretty cool because he taught Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry had to meditate. So he's, mm. he's kind of a, a celebrity teacher, but I know him, uh, he has family in Atlanta and he taught my husband how to meditate in person too. Um, so I, that book actually changed my life though, because he gives a really simple, easy technique in the book that you can do anytime, anywhere with no apps, um, very easy directions. And the first time I did it, I was like, that was too easy. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was amazing. And you know, I was addicted still to sleeping medication and within, I started the meditation in April and by that October, I came off my sleeping medication with zero issues that I had been addicted to for 
20 years That's amazing. and tried to come off of it several times before. But the meditation was the thing that took me to where I could come off the medication and I've been off of it for four years and have not looked back. That's so amazing. For the listener, like whatever method you choose, like mindfulness meditation will change your life. I have come, I've in the past had it at certain periods of my life, but never really consistent. I'm going to be coming up on one year of doing it every single day without missing a day. And it, it literally changes your brain. It changes your spirit. It changes the way you are present and the way you show up in life. It is legit. And I highly, highly recommend whatever method you like that you can stick with, just do it. Yeah, I agree. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that because it's, Yeah, it's so helpful and it actually does change your brain. I mean, there's a Harvard study from 2012 that shows just uh, nine minutes a day of meditation for eight weeks actually um, decreased the size of the amygdala and increased uh, the ability to to access executive functioning, increased the... um, thickness of the corpus callosum, which is the connection to left and right brain. I mean, it, it physically changed the brain in just eight weeks. I did. It's a Harvard study from 2012. And I always tell people that I'm like, you don't have to do as much meditation as I do. You can just do like nine minutes a day, maybe do 10, you know, but, (laughs) but you don't have to go crazy. I just really love meditation now that I have a practice and I've just developed it over the years, but you don't have to do a ton of it, I think, but it's important to do it. Yeah, that's right. And then to watch it spill out into your life in unexpected yes. ways when somebody cuts me off in traffic or, you know, somebody needs a refund or something, you're just, you're just, you can breathe through it. And it's just events that pass by or thoughts or emotions that just come and go. And it's so, it's so beautiful to have that like creep up into your life in unexpected ways. I cannot agree more. And the funny thing is this morning, uh, I, I was just thinking like, I drive like a grandma now. Like I'm cool to just hang in the right lane. Like I don't try to pass. I, it just, <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny, but I used to just be so angry behind the wheel and get so irritated when people cut me off. I live in a pretty, you know, I live in Atlanta and we have pretty bad traffic here. And so I would get really bad road rage and just get all stressed out. And now I'm just kind of like, cool, I can listen to a podcast and I still get pissed, but it's, it's like, I'm a totally different person behind the wheel now that I was before I started meditating. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Um, before we go, let's give some tips to the listener if they want to start a yoga practice. And I'm going to field that question and answer it for you. So you don't have to. So you definitely need to go to the really expensive boutique store. Your <laughs> outfit absolutely needs to match and never wear the same outfit you know, twice in one week. So make sure you get seven of those. You're going to need the fancy mat with the matching towel. Um, you know, the, the, the water bottle with the namaste sign on it. Like what, what other things do people need to get started with yoga? You know, (laughs) (laughs) they don't need any of that stuff. I mean, at this point where we are in the world, like all you need is a zoom access, you know, and probably a yoga mat too. Um, that would be helpful, but it's not even required. I I would tell people like, oh, you don't, for my class, you don't necessarily have to do a yoga mat because it's so gentle. Like you could just have carpet (laughs) underneath (laughs) your, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's super simple. Um, I have a YouTube channel that's yoga only. And those videos are like all super gentle, beginner friendly. And there's also yoga with Adrian on YouTube is free. She has a lot of free yoga, like tons of free yoga on YouTube. Um, yeah, there's, there's just, it's, it's, you don't have to buy anything or, or lose weight or people are like, I'm not flexible, so I can't do yoga. I'm like, that's like saying my hair's dirty, so I can't wash it. Like, Mm. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, you just do it, you know? I love it. Well said. Well, now Lululemon is not going to sponsor our show either. So thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> no, they never wanted me to be an ambassador. So it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, when you look back on your life and, and everything that you've had to overcome and the challenges you've been through and, you know, everything that you've created, what are you the most proud of? Gosh, um, you know, honestly, with everything I've created, I'm probably the most proud of, um, God, that's a hard one. <laughs> I would say it's, you know, my daughter's YouTube channel actually is really the one that I feel like is the least known about, but is probably the most impactful, um, that I've gotten the most feedback from of people that it's, it's been something that's really touched them. Um, so yeah, I think that the, if I had to choose the most impactful thing or the most, it's, thing I'm proud of is probably that. That's so cool. What is she doing on her channel? She can spell to communicate. We didn't know until she was nine that she could spell and read and had like everything in her mind. Like she can't speak, but she can spell. And so she has a channel and she, um, it's her thoughts. You know, she writes poetry. She talks about the world and, uh, I kind of loop it in with music. So it's, you know, something you can watch and just the words go by, but, uh, that's been, I, and it's something I need to work on more. I've got a lot more videos I need to make of her, but, wow. uh, yeah, that's, it's been cool that she can actually share her thoughts with the world. You know, this child who's like supposedly nonverbal, but she, she can communicate and that's been really cool. Amazing. I wish you could see the ear to ear grin I have on my face right now. That is so cool. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to pull that up and check out some of those videos. That sounds really empowering and amazing. Oh, Sarah, this has been such a cool conversation. I've learned a lot. Um, I hope this will give a lot of value to the listener. What is one simple tip you would like to leave with a listener that they can apply in their life and see some benefit? You know, I think the biggest thing is like listening to your body and really tuning in and learning how to listen to your body. I thought I could listen to my body before, but now I'm so much more in touch with myself and and don't be afraid to to change things if your body is telling you like, "Hey, this isn't working." You know, don't don't be afraid to switch things up at all. Mm, that's great advice. Oh, what an amazing conversation. Where would you like people to go to find you and your work? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram is at carnivore.yogi. Um, and you can find me on YouTube if you just search carnivore yogi on YouTube. If you go to my Instagram, my podcast is linked. It's called the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. And uh, yeah, that's the best ways to find it, kind of get in touch with me and find me. It's fairly unique, this carnivore yogi thing. So you're pretty easy to find. I have to say it wasn't very difficult yeah. to get in touch with you. Yeah, I am. I, I usually answer most of my messages. I don't get to all of them, but I do answer most of my messages over on Instagram. Mm, that's wonderful. Well, you mentioned, you know, with your podcast, reaching out to amazing people, amazing guests and creating, you know, wonderful interviews and sharing it with the world. And that is absolutely how we view this interview with you. Thank you so very much for everything that you've done. Thank you for your journey and overcoming so many obstacles and being transparent about it and sharing it with the world. I think that's absolutely amazing. And we're so happy for you and proud of you. And, and thank you so much for everything you do and, and for the time to do this interview today. Cool. I really appreciate you bringing me on today. And it was a really fun chat. And uh, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. It was definitely an honor. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. 